0: Welcome back to the BMX and Art Blood. And today I'm fortunate enough to be here with Susie Levan, longtime BMXer and sister to the lesser known Jimmy Levan. <laughs> right? Yeah. He's lesser known <laughs> than you. Let's just let's just face it. Everyone knows Susie. Nobody knows Jimmy. Nah.
1: Susie's so, little brother.
0: Yeah, it, that's that's what he is, you know. It's, but anyway, I wanted to interview you because first of all, There were a few brother-sister combos over the years left a pretty big impact on the sport, but only in racing, where you and Jimmy have left an impact over a long, long period of time and covered multiple disciplines of BMX. And I think that's pretty cool. I had to tap into my head librarian resource for this one we looked back, and we were thinking about brother-sister combos, and they were all racing.
1: Right. So,
0: Leon and Yolanda Williams, if you remember them, they were I on don't. GT. Wow. They were, they were West Coast. Okay. So, that, was, that would have been 80s. Right. Uh, Cindy and Russell Ainsworth,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they were Diamondback. Yeah. Right. That was years ago. I remember them. There was Nikki and Bill Danishek.
1: know them well.
0: So, again, racing, racing.
1: Right, right, same thing, both racing
0: and uh local Paul and Lori Prestis. Oh, right? yeah, <laughs> so again, racing, racing, and and a lot of these these combinations were from uh, mostly the 80s, if not all 80s. You, on the other hand, started off as a sister brother racing combo, and then you went your own directions with, with BMX, which is unique because you continued to race and Jimmy Levine went on his own way and that's rare and you're both still active and I I just find that interesting so <laughs> it's one of the reasons I wanted to interview you as well as people getting to know you as you because there's a lot of story behind you that people don't hear with all due respect to Jimmy sometimes The sister gets overshadowed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so it's a good chance to hear about you. Right. So, Well, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks for doing this. So what I wanted to start with was the basics, when you started and where, and just how many years you have been racing for.
1: I started in 1983. Um, It really, actually, Jimmy started before I did. And that's how we got into it. My dad had a friend whose son raced for Profile Factory in the early 80s. And we went to a race in Indiana, outside of Indianapolis somewhere. I'm trying to remember. I think it was Warfield, Indiana. And Jimmy raced. And then it took me about a year to convince my parents to let me race which I promptly went out and crashed my first moto, and they're like, that's it, you're done. No more, no more, because they didn't want their little girl getting hurt. So it took me some more time to convince them again to let me race again. But 1983 on, I remember the first class I raced was 1011 Girls.
0: And that was actually in Indiana?
1: Uh, I actually didn't race. My first race was in Louisville at okay. the old track on the other side of the park where it had the big S turns. Oh, that was such a fun track.
0: And where was that?
1: It was across the park from where the track is now. Oh, so okay. if you made the left out of the track, made a left mm-hmm. at the stoplight, and made another left, it was over there. Now I think they fly those airplanes or something like remote controlled airplanes. I don't know, they do something different over there with it now. I gotcha. But yeah, that's where the old track used to be.
0: Wow, so how long were you in Louisville for?
1: I moved from Louisville when I graduated college in 1994.
0: So you were racing as your, your base of Louisville and racing around Louisville from, uh, from 83, 83 on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When did you and Jimmy start picking up on the national scene?
1: The first year, Jimmy picked up on the national scene in 1984, and then I started in 1985. So 1985 was the first year, and that was also the first year they had the race in Columbus, Ohio. I remember they gave us our national plates at Columbus.
0: I didn't realize that. I'm, I I'm that. sure I was there. I just don't remember that. But yeah.
1: Yeah, plaque and gold zero nine plate the, with the moto board on it. Yeah. Yeah. 1985.
0: That's wild. Maybe I went the year after because uh, Columbus was was it really seemed to hit its peak in what early mid nineties? Yeah, early to was. mid nineties probably. Okay, so I probably went late eighties, but late eighties
1: um, were fun too though
0: oh yeah we had a blast that was a great race and not too far from home but far enough but
1: no we actually had a tradition um we had really good friends that lived in cincinnati and the Wordeman family and ryan Wordeman raced jimmy and we would go every year we'd have christmas eve with my dad in louisville then we would spend christmas day with the Wordeman family in cincinnati because it was halfway to columbus so we'd have a great time. We had a great Christmas night, and then we'd get up early and drive to the race. Huh. We did that for probably at least 10 years, if not 15.
0: Really? Yeah. Wow, that is a nice tradition. Yeah. Our tradition was hopping on a bus that was chartered by, by Nutmeg BMX. <laughs> and we had, you know, whatever, 60, 70 people on the bus, if not more. But we would leave Christmas Day as soon as everyone went through their Christmas morning rituals and, and we would hit the road. So there that weren't any there weren't any stops at friends' <laughs> houses. It was no it I was just there a stinky bus drive for for twelve hours or whatever it took us. But um, those were good times. Those uh, were bus were, full of BMXers
1: must have been a great time.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. So how many years did Jimmy race for before we get to you? Um How many years did Jimmy race for before he segued into more street?
1: Uh, It seemed, I think he segued more into trails first and dirt jumping. Uh, When they started having the jumping contests at all the nationals, he started going that way. That was just a natural progression for him because when we were kids... You know, we, we'd be at the track practicing, and Jimmy would just want to practice one jump the whole time. And I'm like, Jimmy, you're not going to get any faster just hitting one jump all day long. you got to ride the whole track. But that was what he did, and when those jumping contests came around, that's where he really shined. So yeah. he started there, and then from that he got into street. I think his last race was in superclass the year they had the NBL Grands in Columbus Indoor. And I think... That was either 1994 or 1995. Mm -hmm. I think it was 1994 because I had just moved to Ohio. Okay. And then the Grands were in Ohio that year, so.
0: I got you. I do remember all of that clearly. And I do remember being in contests with him during that era when the contest first started picking up. And I believe the first contest, which was the UGP contest, uh, I believe the first one was at the Grands. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong, but the first organized contest was after the mains at the Grands on the first jump, and that would have been like 91, maybe? That
1: could be, but, you know, the ABA always had the King of Dirt contest, and I can't remember um, how long that ran.
0: That was in the late 80s, so if he yeah, was doing those... Yeah, so I those... think they
1: probably started it first. Okay. If... My... I could be wrong, but if memory serves well, me, me too. Right, Yeah, I remember the King of Dirt contest being a big deal at the Grands every year.
0: Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. We'll let someone else in, you know is listening Somebody to this sort it us out. correct this. on that one. Correct yeah. I, I'm, I'm all for someone hitting the library and correcting this. It's fine by me. So, got it. So he was doing actually both ABA and NBL contests. Right. And, um and you continued racing. So back to you, because this is what, uh, what, it's, what it's really about. You started racing in 83, 84, and have you ever stopped?
1: I blew my knee out. I tore my ACL when I was a senior in high school, so 1990. And I believe I took about two years off, a year and a half. When I, when I blew it out, they said that I needed reconstructive surgery. If I didn't have the surgery, no side-to-side sports, no BMX, and I really didn't want to go under the knife. So I took some time off and then I realized, hey, I'm still playing volleyball, I'm still playing tennis. Well, if I can do that, I can race BMX again. And I decided there was one point in time in college, I was struggling a little bit and I was like, you know what? I really miss BMX. So a week before the national in Memphis, Tennessee, I was like, you know what? Screw it! I'm going to race this weekend.
0: And that was what year again?
1: That was 1992, I think.
0: Oh, okay. So, so this maybe was... it was
1: only a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. 92.
0: And that would have been back Memphis indoor.
1: Memphis indoor in the old Coliseum building where they had it in the 80s.
0: Yeah, I remember. All yep. right, so I, I called that the the Tony Takeout race because <laughs> I've got a I've got a good Tony Snakad. Video of, of him taking out Shane Hatfield at that track. It was just It's just it's straight up hilarious. It's still on my phone. Um, but anyway, that's where they had uh, some artwork on plywood on the sides of the, right. insides of the building. Yep. And that was like a midwinter race, I believe. It was
1: I think it was usually, we used to joke about Memphis weather because it seemed like whenever we went to that Memphis race, it was just starting to warm up outside. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think it was usually in March.
0: Yeah, that sounds right. I think right. it was March. That sounds mid-March, right. Mid-March,
1: sometime around in there.
0: Right. And One
1: that, year it was right before spring break, so it could have been at the end.
0: Okay. And this was still in the era of uh, wooden starting hills. Right. Because they, would rather than resource dirt, they would make this wooden starting hill, just yeah. like the Christmas classic, same same idea, or Harrisburg or any of these races. So in that track, just... Not traditionally shaped at all, definitely I mean, that, not That place was winding all all was those place,
1: wooden but... starting hills, whatever happened to those i don 't know they were kind of cool. I thought they were cool. I had a yeah. great time on the wooden starting hills
0: they, they work. they were grippy they were they yeah. were they were fine, and you got that that good solid lumber thud when the gate dropped you right know? right <laughs> very distinctive sound. So anyway, so you had that short break, but you picked it back up in Memphis in 93-ish. I think 92. I'm pretty sure it was
1: 92. So yeah, yeah, it was probably two years or a little less. Year and a half I took off.
0: So from there, more importantly, and this is a huge deal to me because you hardly ever hear this, you haven't stopped since.
1: I have not stopped since. I do take a break every winter because once the last race of the year is done, it's snowboarding season. We so. don't
0: we don't count that because your license is still valid. <laughs> license you, is still valid, and you're but. just taking a little break, but you're still you're yeah. t- you're still racing.
1: It's pretty hard to get me to touch my bike in the winter. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and, and you know, I I've said this before on previous podcasts, and I uh, I'll stand by it. I really believe that the Northeast is is strong in their passion of BMX because of exactly what you're talking about we get this break right you know separate yourself from the bike you may train but oh yeah you know you do other sports it's it's like a necessary break so that when spring comes you're fired up and ready to go again
1: right right it it keeps me motivated it keeps me from getting burned out and I think it's it's huge taking that break every year
0: yeah, absolutely, and and I can only think and nothing against Florida or California or areas where you can ride year round, but I would imagine the burnout levels a little faster and higher in areas like that where the access is almost too easy.
1: I would think so.
0: Yeah, no statistics behind that, but um, that's what I like about the Northeast. Is as much as I'm upset that you know it, we're we're soon to be into a. a you know, a, a bunch of months where we really can't ride, and we could only ride indoor maybe once in a while. It's that necessary break that just keeps you keeps you fired up for the next season. Yeah, so, keeps you going. So now, so we're talking uh, basically thirty-four years then yeah right yeah it's, it's
1: 2017 yeah 34 we're,
0: years we're doing some morning math here so that's pretty, I know I'm, pretty not, I'm not too good with math
1: in the morning so
0: 34 <laughs> years without giving away your age. well actually it's it's obvious because you're a 41 right. to 45 cruiser <laughs> I mean, we all look so good for our age it's that's it's right. easy to talk about our age but so 34 years is a long string of consecutive racing because although you had that injury it's you're we're not talking about you leaving the sport during that time
1: right
0: you just took a, a mandatory. i was recovering
1: yeah yeah so i still you, rode a little bit i still went out to the track and and rode from time to time but i just didn't race
0: yeah that's different than I, s- straight up leaving the yeah. sport like i did for a while
1: right right i, had I would my, test the waters <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and i have my good reasons for it but um i've got huge respect for you for for doing that for continuing on and keeping that passion And we have questions for you after on on that from some friends and, uh, that you know and through uh, Instagram questions and Facebook questions. So super impressive. But um, So why don't we go to, where did you go to college?
1: For? I graduated from University of Louisville. And mm-hmm. then when I graduated college, I moved to Ohio, sticking mm-hmm. with the BMX theme. I moved into a BMX house with Greg Beam and Colin Winkleman, and we had a great time. And we had yeah. trails everywhere. There were probably five tracks right around Dayton, Ohio that we could go to. Uh, we even had a, a Dayton Indoor track we could ride. So
0: Still open today, I believe.
1: Still open today, yeah. yeah. Probably with a leaky roof still today. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I <laughs> s- haven't been there since I lived in Dayton, but...
0: It's kind of like pacer. You just gotta have to go around the ice spots yeah. where it drips and, and <laughs> freezes, but...
1: We actually went to Delaware, Ohio probably more than we went to uh, the Dayton Indoor, which was outside of Columbus.
0: Which is Pacer, right? Delaware is PACER. Right. Okay. Yeah. I could I don't be think wrong. I think it is. Went to school in Louisville and then moved to, up to Ohio, which would that's when you work for a DK.
1: Right.
0: How long did you work for DK?
1: I worked for DK for I want to say about two years. I know it was two years worth of trade shows. Oh
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah.
1: That was that was that was my favorite job ever. I had a great time working at DK. They're really great okay. people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was wonderful to get paid to talk about what I loved all day long. And it was always interesting because the bike shop owners thought it was kind of nifty that a a girl actually knew a thing or two about bikes. That that was a different experience for them. They were used to calling in and getting guys all the time and they're like, oh my gosh, you actually know what you're talking about. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Hey, and this is the essence of Susie Levan because a lot of people don't realize how how involved you were in all aspects of BMX through all of these years you know it's it's a it's a pretty good story so where did you go from dk
1: from dk i i had a plan in my head that i was going to try to go back to graduate school so i moved down to nashville with my mom but that just didn't it was presented a greater challenge than I could handle so I just after living out on my own it was just really hard to buckle down and try to go back to school and get back into that mode one of my good BMX friends Mark Inella, got me a job in New Jersey and I said great I love New Jersey I'd visited before I thought what better place to be because I'm so close to New York you've got the shore you've got mountains you can go you know New York Philly within an hour either way so I said, all right, let's give New Jersey a shot. And I've been here, next year will be 20 years. Wow,
0: I had no idea it was that long.
1: Right. And I
0: had no idea we were crediting Mark Inel for this, (laughs) who is an awesome guy who listens to these frequently. uh, So he'll be happy to hear (laughs) that you had an influence in in the decision for you to stick around here. So you continued to work around here, but not in uh, any kind of BMX field?
1: No, I got, Mark actually worked for an office supply company called Village Office Supply, and he was a delivery driver, and he got me a job in customer service. So I started there, which was a natural thing to do after doing inside sales at DK. So I was used to talking on the phone with people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started at Village and worked my way up you know, into management, and I was there for 16 years. And just after 16 years of working at Village, made a change and went to work for a different company, Premier Supplies, that's based out of New York City.
0: So four years with them? Yep, four years about. with
1: them. So 20 years in the office supply industry, selling pens and pencils. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come on, it's more than pens and pencils, I'm sure. But oh,
1: it definitely is, yeah, definitely is.
0: You and I both know supplies. Coffee, so there's
1: and yeah, there's a ton of stuff. Thousands
0: of SKUs, yep. that's, that's for sure. So during that time period, you were able to uh, have the flexibility to be, to be able to continue to ride, mm-hmm. and you also have the, uh, the extra push of, of your significant other.
1: Yep. Right? He is a huge help. He's a huge help and a huge influence.
0: Right. It's
1: great to have a partner who's into the same things that you are. And yeah. we're
0: talking about Chris Diaz, for those that don't know. Who is a focused guy that gets the job done, and uh, he, he's got to be great to have around. Oh, he is. Uh, so, and I, I personally like him. I think he's a he's a he's a great guy. So, so you've got a team kind of that that supports each other, and and has that helped with you staying kind of passionate and fired up on absolutely, on
1: absolutely. He had a rough past year and a half uh working through a lot of injuries but mm-hmm. I kept racing and he never wavered as hard as it was for him to go to the track and sit and watch <laughs> sit on the sidelines he did it anyway so fix my starts my horrible yeah. gate starts <laughs>
0: <laughs> well he's a good trainer from what i understand he, he spends really a lot is. of time yep. with the kids and if you you know if you just look at him from your distance you are like I- i'm not talking to that guy there's there's no way that guy scares the hell out of me
1: he's a little intense <laughs>
0: yeah well no it's not even that he's intense he just has that look like uh huh you know i i think i'm going to take a right turn while he's coming toward me you know (laughs) but as it turns out the more you talk to him he's he's a gentle guy he absolutely
1: is yeah and
0: and from what i understand he's helped a lot of kids at howell and we're talking central jersey bmx at at howell that's your local track right yeah
1: Yeah. he he helps out at howell he's the coach for howell uh and he and jim kimock did a whole series coaching at flemington as well um for new kids like a free Coaching lesson every whatever night it was. I think it was Wednesday nights at the beginning of the season to get the young kids into BMX and learning the right way to do things.
0: Which, from our conversation last night, he didn't have that benefit when he started racing because <laughs> no. no one told him what the heck was going on. No, no. So, so through his own experience, he probably knows what's needed for these for these new new riders. So that's right. uh, that, that's got to be good. Do you get involved in that at all when he's when he's helping with the kids?
1: No, I usually stand back. Occasionally, you know, people will ask me questions, too, especially some of the girls. Mm-hmm. And I'll help out where I can. But that's, you know, his thing. He's, he's much better at coaching than I am. Much better. Yeah. He can pick out—he's he, just—he notices every little detail. And for me, it goes right over my head. I just— People will say, Susie, how'd you take that jump? I don't know. I just went over it.
0: (laughs) I noticed that when we were watching videos last night, and and I'm really not good with details either. We were watching the Grands, and and he was picking up on things that I didn't notice at all. I mean, I may notice like a nose tap or something like that, you know, as someone's going down a straight, but he was picking up exactly where people were gaining and losing speed, which was... Mm -hmm. That's a skill. Not everyone sees those things just yeah. like you're talking about. So that's, that's got to be a huge asset. But, he uh...
1: picks up on every little thing. And the good thing he does with me is he'll pick up on one small little detail mm-hmm. and tell me that. And I'll focus on that for that particular year. Mm-hmm. And it always helps. Right. Like a couple of years ago, I got stuck doing old school starts. He's like, why are you pinching your seat? This isn't the 80s. What's wrong with you? And he said, I think you need to raise your pedal up a little bit so that you don't try to slingshot out because I would do that too. So just picking up that, you know, picking up my right pedal by one click made a difference. Then this year, it's like, you gotta think about putting your shoulder into it, getting out of the gate. So I started doing that and that helped. So he's really good about picking like one little detail at a time to fix a problem.
0: That's great, Yeah. That's, that's gotta be a huge asset for you. Oh, huge. Let's uh the question that I didn't get to it when we were talking a little bit about the brother sister combo it's uh how did Jimmy's lifestyle affect yours during that era of racing did it change anything for you or did you or did you two just kind of go your separate ways and he did his thing and you did yours
1: Well in in that era I mean he was bouncing all over the place I think you're probably talking about when I was in Ohio, so it was pretty rare that the two of us were in the same place. I think he was in California, I was in Ohio. Oh so, st-
0: starting when you graduated. Yeah,
1: yeah. I got he, you. he had he kept bouncing around. So he was in Florida for a little while, he was in California for a while, he eventually moved to Seattle. Um, all that while I was in Ohio or it well, Ohio or New Jersey, one of the two. Yeah. So we right. were rarely in the same place. At the same time.
0: So let's say early nineties is when you when you two started to go your separate ways with your beer mix careers. Mid nineties, I'd say, yeah.
1: Mid nineties. Yeah.
0: Got it. So up until that point he was in Louisville, you were up in uh in Ohio.
1: Right.
0: Well that answers that. But uh well we have to talk about these yearly Louisville pit stops. So There's something about you and your relationships with a lot of people that uh, that are influential in the BMX, in the BMX scene, or were back then, we should say, and may still be. You had a lot of friends, and they used to all pile in. You were talking about with during summer tours. Oh yeah, right? Yeah,
1: when when we lived in Louisville, our house was the the center of all the summer tours and we had the M team stay at our house frequently we had the auburn team for a while we had the tnt team for a while there were constantly people in and out and every year when the mbl grants the weekend of the mbl grants we would end up with no less than 25 people staying at our house there were people on the floors, people everywhere. Yeah, we had some really good times.
0: Oh my gosh! If, so, so Jimmy was on SNM at that time. Yeah, he so was
1: on SNM at the time. Is
0: that what kind of brought the S&M team to your house? And, yeah, that. And that probably took up half the house. Uh, I would imagine <laughs> because you probably had tagalongs with the SNM team. Oh right? They oh, weren't yeah. on the SNM team.
1: Absolutely, we always had a house full of people from all over the place.
0: Yeah, so all so,
1: over the place. If those walls could talk, they'd give you some stories.
0: Well, the walls are going to talk a little bit because, for to whatever level you think is safe, so we can protect the innocent. But uh, <laughs> who who are some of the names that rolled through there during those times that you that you have memories of, uh, either memories that still shock you to this day, or just or just funny
1: memories, and, you know. <laughs> Well, of course, with the uh, with the S and M team, you had Chris Mueller, Dave Clymer, John Paul Rogers uh also both brian and alan foster stayed at our house quite a few times um let's see we had rich bartlett and billy harrison at our house quite a bit we later on had tnt coming in and out marcus dixon mark Inella, all those guys we had uh when it was the auburn team we had robbie morales todd corbett eric bartoldus right we just had a ton of people in and out (laughs) constantly tony sheets from florida and troy brown from florida yeah it was yeah. just a constant flow of people in and out of our house but i don't know how my mom was so patient and tolerant with all these wild kids but she let us do our thing and we had a great time
0: because secretly she probably loved it it was like, it was like watching a show
1: <laughs> it's a good thing there weren't reality shows back then oh
0: my gosh Wow. All right. So 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 tell me some funny stories about those those times because I'm sure there are many. But oh. you can choose what you think is suitable for uh and, and by the way, I have a choice of, of uh of making this episode explicit or not. So I can put a <laughs> warning right up front that tells people that, hey, you know, plug your kids ears because this is gonna this is gonna get crazy
1: yeah well I'm not gonna no, I, I'm not gonna go too crazy no, but no, there was a, a point in time this is one of the funnier ones where there was a bit of headbutting between the s and team and the Auburn team
0: I can't figure out why I, I mean they're so either. similar I'm just
1: <laughs> <laughs> but at one point I think Big E thought it was a good idea to have an Auburn team meeting in the bathroom. So he, Robbie and TC decided to do a meeting in the bathroom. We don't know what went on inside that bathroom, but yeah, it it got a little out of hand at times. And then of course, you know, Chris Muller was constantly pulling pranks and we had a one year at Grand's. I'm not gonna say who did what, but there was like a stupid human tricks show. Richie Poole was playing with zip ties, and there was just all kinds of craziness going on. Of course, we had a lot of the ECD guys, Jason Lonergan and that crew, oh, were yeah, in we're and out of our house East too. East Coast
0: Destruction, right?
1: Yep, yep. We had, I mean, there was just always
0: Brian Stimmel, all
1: those yeah, guys. There was always something going on. Yeah. I don't remember Keith Gower. Keith Gower or... was definitely there. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there was just constant chaos in our house. Uh, one guy from California. Jeremy Martin took Jimmy's go-kart. He had a go-kart that he kept in the garage, and they beat us home from the track. And my mom and brother and I are driving up the street and Jeremy Martin is riding Jimmy's go-kart through the front yards of all of our neighbors' houses. <laughs> my mom about had a heart attack. Our neighbors hated us cuz we constantly we lived in a pretty nice neighborhood. Nothing, you know, we weren't wealthy by any means, but it was, you know, a, a decent neighborhood. People people, actually mowed
0: their lawns. People
1: actually mowed their lawns, and and yeah, we destroyed their lawns. I mean, it was just a constant. uh, Ronnie Bonner was there a lot, too, and he said at one point he wanted to write a book on all the stories of everything that went down in our house.
0: Oh, I hope he does. Oh, my gosh, that would be a great read for sure. So, Ronnie, I know you listened to some of these. Get on that, please.
1: (laughs) That was back in the UGP days. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, which was huge. I mean, UGP was huge in those yeah. days. So that's uh, and and Ronnie did so much for the sport. Uh, I think progression-wise, and kind of opened it up so that it was a, uh, it was more uh, welcoming to to all mm-hmm. aspects of riding. Mm-hmm. You know, by introducing jumping contests on the MBL side, right. Uh, so on top of being, you, you know, having such a successful company with clothing and number plates and i think he he provided plates for oh
1: yeah
0: for the for national for nationals Rankings. a couple years yeah.
1: i'm pretty sure he did yeah Yeah,
0: i know that bounced around a little bit with crit plate and then yeah and whoever else Dino. i think i don't know i remember getting a bunch of different different plates but anyway yeah, I'm sure Ronnie's got some good stuff to say. Oh, he's yeah,
1: he's got some stories too. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get those out of him. <laughs> he them.
1: might not keep them as clean as I do. <laughs> uh,
0: that's all right, and, and maybe maybe I'll have to go to Florida to get them from him. But we'll we'll uh, <laughs> we'll get them for sure. But um, why don't we hit some questions because you had a lot of questions that uh, that were put in here or put through. Um, through my Instagram, through the Gromdad two thousand and through D D R BMX and also through Facebook DDR BMX. So why don't we start with I always call her Tammy Gesswin because that's the way I remember her. <laughs> that's but how I
1: remember her too. Right. She is Tammy Ritchie now. <laughs> exactly.
0: She's Tammy Ritchie and she's from Connecticut. And so of course I know her, her well from back in that era. Oh yeah. First thing she says is, you're awesome.
1: Oh, thanks, Tammy.
0: So, uh, sh- her first question is, would you have changed anything or done it differently as far as your racing over the years?
1: Well, you know, it took me a while to get my head on straight. When I was younger, I didn't take it so seriously. I was more there for the party than for the race. And I also didn't have my head on straight for a long time. So, once I started focusing a bit more... And realized I could do this and I all of a sudden started doing much better. Like when I took that year and a half off after my injury, I came back and all of a sudden I was winning races. Like out of nowhere because before, I wouldn't say I was quite a moto filler, but I was just average. Mm-hmm. I would make mains here and there. But and this
0: was 60 and over girls because yeah. that's as high as it went, right?
1: Yeah, and then, it, then they forced you into elite right? once they made that change. And then we had the super girls class.
0: Which would have been later 90s, right? Yeah,
1: that was later 90s. Yeah. But yeah, I wish I just could have figured it out and gotten some more confidence when I was younger.
0: Well, it still worked out.
1: Yeah, it still worked out.
0: So when did you transition to Cruiser?
1: I transitioned to Cruiser in 2006. Um, It's funny. It's one of those things, and I would bet the best person that could identify with me is Carly Young. Mm -hmm. She just went through the same thing a couple years ago, but... It was really hard to give up racing elite. Not so much, I didn't, have a, I didn't want to admit that I was getting older. <laughs> and it was where I would still make a main here or there, but I was definitely not doing very well. And, and when you're in your 30s, racing girls in their teens it starts to wear on you. Yeah. So the, in 2006, I picked up a cruiser, I want to say in June, Just barely got my races in and somehow managed to win that year. But I raced Cruiser and Elite that year together. Win what? I won number one. Nationally? National number one, yeah.
0: Wow, and this would have been NBL, right? This
1: was NBL. It was 30 to 39. Yeah, We had four full gates of women.
0: Four full gates?
1: Four full gates.
0: And you aced it?
1: And I did, somehow. Yeah. I mean, we had... The way it worked out, because in NBL, motos counted. Oh, yeah. And... The four, I came in fifth. I was two points behind everybody or four points. I can't remember. I just remember that.
0: It was tight then.
1: Yeah, it was tight. And the four of us or the four ahead of me that that were all capped out on their points all got split up into different motos. Right. And I had a little bit of luck on my side. I, I got in the moto with probably the weakest one of the bunch. Nothing against her. Just, sure. you know, there yeah. were some strong girls in that class back then. Right. Uh Deanna Jamison being one of them, mm-hmm. who Edwards. was Deanna Edwards. Right. Um, so I had her, Debbie Chapman, Lisa Motley, who runs Yes nowadays. All right. Yeah, and um, Patty Gonzalez. So uh-huh. it, it wasn't a joke. I mean, it was a pretty tough class, and it just so worked out. I managed to pull off winning all three motos, and it came down to the main. Uh, in the semis, Debbie and Deanna took each other out. They uh-huh. were in one semi, took each other out in the first turn and i just kind of hung it i think i probably got third in my semi i just took it easy and then came the main time i was like well i just have to go out and win i can't control what happens behind me i knew i had to beat lisa by two spots and i just went out and run the one race start to finish
0: was that your first number one
1: that was my first number one yeah 2006 wow Yep.
0: that's awesome
1: yeah it was fun
0: wow all right i'm gonna do another TME question this is interesting because this is becoming more, in the past couple of years, uh, becoming, it's coming more to the forefront, and, and I'm really happy about it. I'm a big proponent of it and will do anything I can to support it. But to the question, do you feel a responsibility as a woman BMXer to be a role model for the younger girls?
1: To a certain extent, yes. Um, I try to always keep my temper in check to the best of my ability. (laughs) This year has been a little tougher to do that than others. Um, I try to help, especially with my teammates, we have a lot of young kids on our team now, and I try to help them out in any way that I can, you know, whenever they have questions or whatever. I try to do the right thing. I'm far from perfect, but I, I always try to be a positive role model for the kids in the sport. There are a couple couple people that aren't really that way in the sport so I definitely don't want to go down that path
0: No no and it, it's so important to kind of keep that network strong Right and I think that's that's great that you do that So that
1: Absolutely. was another one for me. And we have a we have a lot of girls on our local scene mm-hmm. In New Jersey there are times I might have a full gate There's a lot of moms that race I mean it's combined it's a combined class yeah, right. but there are a lot that come out so
0: we're seeing more of it, uh, but we're definitely seeing more of it. There's more girls that race 20-inch, so that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that picks up. And I do think that's something I've noticed that you are really good at promoting women getting back into the sport, whether it be Chrissy Piper. Right. You, I'm, I believe you were influential in encouraging her to get back into it. That type of thing is is important, and and I would imagine you have a hand in encouraging women to continue to race locally as well.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: So, and that's important. And in, in the previous interview I, I did with Matt Dallas, it's something that he works very hard on getting people to, to get, to the track, you know, bond with other people, and and really, you know, have a have more than one reason to go to the race. You right. know, it's a social atmosphere. It's you know, it's not just about. The finish line. It's not just about racing.
1: Oh, absolutely. And there's a lot of good people in the sport. A lot of people I've been in front, like you mentioned, Chrissy Piper. Mm-hmm. This year, Grands was her first Grands in 27 years, and she did great. It was so much fun having her back. She and I were messaging each other all summer long, trying to keep each other motivated, because I was kind of I was a little burned out midway yeah. through the summer. And once she started racing again, like I would watch her race when she was at a national. When I was at a national, she would watch me race. And it it really motivated. We both kept each other motivated all year long.
0: I remember seeing the first messages between you and her, encouraging her to give it a try. Yeah. And, and start because she had picked up on it, started to watch, but she hadn't committed. And I remember the first messages of, of you encouraging her and just pushing her to... Yeah. you got to do it. It's so much fun. You know, that that type of thing.
1: Well, the funny thing, and this, this shows how BMX friends are forever friends. Richie Poole and I had tickets to go see At the Drive-In, which is a band a lot of people probably don't know, but yeah. the show got canceled. We were there at the show in New York City, and the show was canceled because the singer was sick. So he was like, hey, I saw on Facebook that Chrissy Piper's in the city. So we reached out to Chrissy, and we met up with her. And, you know, we got talking and I was like, why don't you get back on the bike again? So we kept talking about it, kept talking about it, and then I was at a national somewhere that summer, I think Woodbridge, Virginia, and Chrissy was like, you know, I think I might wanna get back on the bike. So I talked to uh, Holly Campbell, one of my teammates, Sean Campbell's wife, and she was just about to get a new bike, so we worked a deal out where she bought Holly's old bike and threw a bike together and yeah, she she just got right back into it, so.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Last question from Tammy is, what rules or changes would you bring back or keep, or would you keep today's? So bring back basically from the NBL era, which is mostly what you were, right? Right, What would you bring back from NBL, or would you just keep today's rules as they are?
1: Uh, Rule-wise... It's funny. I actually like the thirty-foot rule and the last straight rule, mm-hmm. but in all honesty, they don't watch us, old ladies. <laughs> they really don't enforce it. <laughs> As, I would uh, love to go
0: down this road, but I'll, if you're, if we're going to do it, you're going to go down the road, not me.
1: <laughs> As my grand's mane would show, <laughs> they certainly do not pay any. I don't think they expect it out of us.
0: <laughs> I think they need to drop back to a ten-foot rule.
1: Uh, Something. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, five-foot rule in some cases. I had somebody get me right out of the gate this year. Um, Right. I I actually kind of like those rules, which really stemmed from UCI more so than USA BMX or ABA. The transfer system, it's funny because I thought I would hate it. But now that I've gotten used to it, I like it everywhere except for at Grands. There were a couple years that I raced where I... At the USA BMX Grands, I would race at like 10 a.m. Saturday morning and wouldn't race again until 11 p.m. Sunday night. So, all that sitting around is tough.
0: Mm, yeah. That's I, really tough. You've got to be ready. And how do you right. be ready 12 or, you know, around 12 hours apart? 10, right. 10 to 12 hours apart.
1: Yeah. And then there's no practice Saturday or Sunday morning at Grands. So no. There's no warm up. No. And, um, you know, there's ways around that. I'll go out, ride the parking lot, go to Progate, do a couple starts. Right. You know, whatever, but that's that's one thing I, I didn't like when they did away with practice. But even MBL did that at one point. I mean, they kept Saturday practice, but not Sunday. Um, rule wise, I don't think there's that terribly many rule changes. Mm-hmm. Just really the moto transfer system.
0: Yeah, if anything, uh, maybe on a local level, which we've talked about. But you know, that's a, that's a different animal altogether. Since yeah. you're you're primarily nationally focused and you support local racing but right it's if anything it sounds like it's more of a a national
1: it's more of a national and and honestly locally i get total points a lot so i'm still racing three laps Mm -hmm. so that's good
0: yeah i I think it's great yeah i look at it from i don't don't mind it yeah like that's training for me you know i
1: look at locals as training for nationals so right you have to go out and do three race laps that's that's a good thing
0: yeah absolutely Uh, let's see, let's keep going here because there are quite a few and I know you probably didn't think this was going to go too long, but Hey, we're, we're ripping right along here. (laughs) So factory Phil Poto Ah, I love
1: Phil. (laughs) Yeah.
0: it, It, you know, I, if I saw him, I would remember him, but, uh, he's, he's a good friend of Drexel Drew and DB, Danny Bailey. And he threw together some questions. He's got some, he's got some good ones mm-hmm. in here for you. So he, here's the first one. So you guys have spent a little time. Actually, uh, quickly give some background between you and Phil.
1: Phil and I have known each other for a long time. He grew up in Pittsburgh, right by South Park. That's, mm-hmm. Those were his stomping grounds. And he moved to Philly right before I moved to New Jersey. So we've been good friends a really long time, and we used to hang out all the time. My friend Carrie and I would go down and stay with Phil Uh and go out in Philly and have a great time. Yeah. Phil's a really good guy, and he makes a really mean egg sandwich with jalapenos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have to meet him at some point, you know, nowadays. Does he still live in Pittsburgh?
1: No. He lives in South Carolina now. He's bounced around quite a bit. He went to Houston, now he's went to South Carolina, then to Houston, now back to South Carolina. Okay. I miss having him an hour away.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I know what's going to end up happening. We're all going to be going to a supercross race somewhere.
1: There you go. Yep.
0: that's a big passion of his from what I understand.
1: Absolutely.
0: So the first question he had is how long have you been a vegan and what sparked your interest?
1: Well, I'm actually not vegan. I'm vegetarian. I love cheese and chocolate way too much to be <laughs> vegan. But <laughs> I've been vegetarian since right after college. Um I changed my major like four times in college, but one of my majors was nursing. Only four,
0: but All anyway, right. <laughs> yeah. So, I still yeah.
1: got out in four years, too, somehow. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, I busted my butt. I took 18 hour, eighteen credit hours one semester. Oh, my gosh. But, uh... Yeah. So, yeah, I was in nursing school, and I had a gross anatomy lab right before lunch, and that class was on the med school campus, So we had cadavers, actual human cadavers to work on. We had buckets of body parts, not to be too vulgar, but...
0: I'm fine. I haven't eaten really too much yet, so I can do
1: it. (laughs) And then we go to lunch right after that. And our our (laughs) professor in anatomy lab used to joke all the time that the only thing safe was salads and chocolate. And I worked in a rib restaurant at night to add insult to injury, and everything looked the same, and I just, after I couldn't, I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. It started with I couldn't eat, like, hot wings. Anything off the bone just totally disgusted me. Yeah. Then, then I cut out red meat. So I haven't eaten red meat since 1992. And then shortly thereafter, it was chicken and fish that I started cutting out. I haven't had that since 96. So wow. it's been over 20 years since I've purposely eaten meat every great once in a while somebody will sneak some in something and i get a bite and get sick but oh you do get sick oh yeah yeah, yeah. your stomach you can't handle it. it once you haven't had it in right so it's gonna be tough to break down that protein yeah, that, that's a that problem. form of protein yep Got body it. cannot cannot break it down wow
0: all right next question from factory phil uh how many years did you race for london walmart and i guess we have to clarify uh whether it was one team or multiple teams because i know london has had a couple different teams yep and what makes him a great team manager
1: i raced for london for 10 years um right after i won in 2006 he picked me up and at that time it was still bizarro and we were bizarro for quite a while and then it went to renan intense and then to Sia. so i think And we were FBN Hyper in there somewhere as well. So I think we changed teams like four times.
0: FBN Plastics?
1: Yeah. Oh, so Rick Bell? Yep, Rick Bell. Nice, Radical Rick. Yeah, yeah. He,
0: he, uh, for the record, is an amazing guy. And when I got back into this, sorry to to interrupt you. No. Uh, When he heard I was putting together a, a team and the reason why we were doing it, he ponied up and sponsored the our, our pop-up tent and and threw money at it to pay for that and mm-hmm. just sent me plastic so i could make plates the old-fashioned way that i used to do it and right. uh, it, the guy is awesome yeah. he's just an awesome guy yeah and, he's and, a good guy yeah so he's 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 really great so anyway fbn was yeah. one of the sponsors yep okay
1: yep that was one of the sponsors and uh what makes London a great TM? He has a real eye for talent. He's really good at picking out kids early on. You know, he, he notices a lot of things. He's very observant, just like Chris. Mm. Uh, he picks up on a lot of things. He scouts out this talent, and I feel bad for the poor guy because everybody's constantly getting picked off of his team. <laughs> but he's a great guy. He's a great guy. He's a good time to hang out with, and uh, yeah, he really does have an eye for talent. Yeah, Yeah
0: he is a good guy and obviously yeah. he's from connecticut where where i'm from and and i remember racing him on the local level when, it, when he had vintage bizarro now yep. it's vintage but just red shirts white lettering zero nine pants white zero nine pants but
1: oh yeah our team yeah. in the beginning was a bunch of derelicts and it was great it was so much fun there were constant pranks going on yeah um we really had a we had a good time we definitely yeah. had a good time. Just don't get in his way when he's folding up the tents <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, oh, that's funny
1: Mr and, Coast Guard they've got to be folded perfectly
0: and I was just going to mention i think one of the most amazing things about London is that he has balanced all of this while uh while going through a successful career in the Coast Guard, yeah. So, yeah. which is intense, um, right? So, I, I give him a a ton of credit, and oh, absolutely. You know, it's it's always good to see him when I when I do. I don't see him as much since I don't do the national national scene. But anyhow, that was another question. Favorite World Championships. This is still factory Phil.
1: Ah, well, that would have to be one of the ones I was at with Phil, which was Australia in two thousand nine. That was amazing. The track was amazing. I don't think I've ever been so scared to ride a track in my life, <laughs> really? but we had a, we had a great time. A bunch of us rented a house on the beach. It was only like $200 for the whole week and it, we just, we really had a good time. Wow. We really had a good time. It was Phil, John Paul Pfeiffer, Tommy Open Car, um, and From of course Jamie. Right? Yeah, yeah. I've known him for many, many years too. And yeah. Amy Herman, um. Carly, Carly Young, and Matt right. Sylvia. We had a whole yeah. crew in that house, and and we really had a good time. Oh, but the awesome. the track there was phenomenal. Tom Ritz built the track, and mm-hmm. I remember my bike got lost, so I missed practice, and I only got like two laps of practice. And then there was something wrong with my headset, and I almost had to race Scott Moreland's bike. Um, and if you guys know Scott Moreland, he's you know like six two.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big, <laughs> And I'm five big three, guy.
1: so for me. Right. To, Luckily, they got it fixed and got it to me while I was in staging. Um, but I the, know, you know, the starting hill, we were on the pro hill, and there was a twenty foot set of doubles at the bottom that you couldn't help but jump. So I'm thinking, man, I'm, I think I was what, like thirty five, like, oh shit, I gotta jump a twenty foot set of doubles. Oh my god. <laughs> but, but hey, I managed to get through it. I cased the shit out of it once, but. <laughs>
0: Wow. Hey, as long as everyone else was kissing, yeah. it was the best. Oh of, yeah, well, well there was casers. one girl
1: literally over my head she launched off of it so high. But,
0: really?
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was fun though. It was it was scary but it was fun. It was really a good time. I, you know, worlds in, in British Columbia two thousand seven were a lot of fun as well. That track was good too. Oh, I didn't And that I actually right did back. better at that one than I yeah. did. I got second in Canada but I got third in Australia. But the Australia track was a lot more fun. Real. And just a better experience all around.
0: So podium at both.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah.
0: There's, there's more it's to your racing career than I, I sure anyone realizes, and this, this is why I wanted to do this interview. It's, yeah. It's it's amazing.
1: Vancouver was fun too. I yeah, you know it's it's hard to say which why are you one Va- of those
0: Vancouver too. There's yeah, also I mean, Vancouver.
1: Well, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. That's, oh, I got you. Yeah, got you. and yeah, and yeah. that was when my brother was living in Seattle, so right. I was bouncing back and forth. Yeah. You know, I didn't take that one as seriously because I would go to Seattle and hang out with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. You know, I left the race for a couple of days and, and right. just to experience Seattle. Sure. And Jimmy and I had a good time going out and yeah. partying. And I really didn't take it that seriously. And I managed to somehow pull out a second. So what?
0: That's awesome. Wasn't yeah. there France also? Was
1: yeah, there... France. France, I was. that was 2005. That was fun as well. Um, but I just got my butt kicked. I was still racing Elite, I just, and I was a little old for Elite at that point, but mm-hmm. wasn't wanting to admit it. <laughs> right, right, right. That was the year before I started racing Cruiser, yeah. and uh, I think I probably got moto in France. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely got moto in France, no doubt.
0: So how many world champs have you raced?
1: I have raced, so my first one was Orlando in 86 or 87?
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds about right.
1: And that was an experience because I broke my collarbone two weeks before Worlds. I raced it anyway. I crashed my first moto and got knocked out. I still somehow transferred all the way out to the semis, and I got fifth in the semi. I missed it by an inch. I was so mad. I was livid. You know, here I I fought through all these injuries, and I missed it by an inch. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, that was my first Worlds experience. And then after that was Michigan in 94. Mm Mm-hmm. Didn't do so well there. I I I might have gotten motoed there too. Um, that, was a, that was either a that or I. Race yeah, it was either that or quarters. Huge. I, yeah, it was huge. Yeah. Um. So that so Orlando, then Michigan, then the year they had it in Louisville. I know in Louisville, I it was elite then, and I made it to the. I got fifth in my quarter. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, then France. And France, I didn't make it on my motos. Then mm-hmm. uh, Victoria, Canada,
0: Right.
1: that one I got second. Right, and then Australia. Yeah. yeah,
0: and that was the last one. And
1: that was the last one. I didn't do it this year. This year, work-wise, I, I just had way too much on my plate, and I was working, you know, sixty, seventy-hour weeks, all the way through May because we changed systems at work and. I project managed that, so mm-hmm. I had no time to do anything, and I wasn't going to spend that kind of money oh, yeah. without having time to do the training.
0: You're not kidding. Yeah. And uh, just a quick question: what was the what's the class on the UCI level? What's the age range for you, uh, for worlds right now for cruiser?
1: I'm trying to remember. I think it was 40 and over. Okay. I think it was 40. and It wasn't you know too.
0: you're still including a good range of yeah but
1: it was I mean my class was huge yeah it was really big Um, and yeah I just knew I couldn't couldn't if I can't do the I have to go back to Danny Bailey's interview like he talked about body types I'm not cut out for this I should be racing road bikes (laughs) I have no business racing BMX so to do this sport I really have to put some work in because I just I'm missing out those fast twitch muscles just
0: yeah yeah. not
1: me not my makeup always.
0: and it, it, it's always been the rider with the with the most powerful uh-huh. quads and it's it's uh
1: that's why I like the tracks still... that take a little skill
0: yeah right right <laughs>
1: if it comes down to power I'm not gonna win
0: <laughs> right right so in this case you you probably prefer the modern day track over oh yeah over the old school where one the, jump
1: per you know, straightaway yeah definitely yeah
0: with the flat turns and all that that, that you and I started started with
1: yeah that's why I don't like racing indoor. The tracks are too blah. Yeah, and it, I it, like the downhill circuit. Right. Louisville, South Park, Tanglewood, Evans, Evansville, Indiana is my favorite, but they don't get a race for some reason.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I like all those downhill fast tracks with big jumps. God bless you.
0: <laughs> the one, the one I I could never do well at was Evansville. Oh. Downhill. Oh my gosh, Jimmy and I raced each other in super class at that race. Uh huh. I had the hardest time because once you came around the second turn, it really started to kick downhill, and then you took that ninety-degree third turn, mm-hmm. and you were flying into that last turn. It was like a roller coaster, but that was just so fast. Yeah, it was. It, it, it was tough. There was no pedaling. No, I mean it was. It was just hang on. It was downhill
1: and fast. And it, yeah, I always loved that race. That's that's where I always did best. Good for you.
0: Yeah. It's uh, just goes to show you something for everybody, for sure. But all right, so another one from Phil because he he sent a plethora of questions, which was <laughs> which was awesome. Here's a quick here's a quick one: Jawbreaker or face to face? Jawbreaker. Okay. And,
1: and they happen to be my friend Chrissy's sponsor. No way. Chrissy is sponsored by Jawbreaker.
0: She kidding. does
1: Yeah, she's a photographer. She does all their stuff for them. Really? And I like face to face too. Nothing against face to face, but. Right. Yeah, I love Jawbreaker. They're one of my favorite bands.
0: Isn't that crazy how yeah. things connect? Yeah. Did you even know at the time that you reconnected with her that she was? Yeah. That she was a photographer for them.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's done what? a lot. She's got a couple books out and everything.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, that's super. T- I'll have to look into that for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh
0: man, have you ever done an X up? Phil asks.
1: <laughs> I think it was Wayne or Richie Poole. They used to always call me Susie Cross up. <laughs> I, figured, I just naturally, I, accidentally cross up over jumps or did when I was younger.
0: <laughs> I figured this had a backstory to it. Yeah. All right. And the last one from Phil was, was your father into BMX?
1: No, no. Uh, well, it's kind of ironic because my dad's the one who, I should say, got Jimmy started in BMX, but he was never that big of a fan. He, he wasn't really crazy about BMX. Yeah. And he certainly more- didn't like me racing it.
0: Uh, right, yeah, you had yeah. said that in the beginning. So was it more your mom that, that yeah.
1: really... it was more my mom, and my mom loved it, and she went everywhere. And she still comes out. She'll come to Louisville every year. Yeah. So she watches, you know, she was watching Grands from home, so... Oh, good. Yeah, yeah.
0: And she lives in... Alabama. Alabama now?
1: hmm
0: Here's one from our good friend, Danny Bailey.
1: <laughs>
0: so this one is, uh, it, it's, uh, how have you stayed so committed and focused and able to race BMX through the years when so many of your close friends have gone away or moved on. And then, of course, he says, much love and respect.
1: Danny, I miss your uh, little motivational text messages before races. (laughs) (laughs) That's one thing that kept me going for a long time. DB sends the best motivational texts ever. Love that guy. his
0: timing is always so good. I mentioned that with the interview with him. I, I prefaced it by saying... He knows what to say and when to say. It's he amazing. definitely does. But, um,
1: but it, you know, it, with people leaving, as soon as one person leaves, somebody else comes back. Yeah. I, I see that it's kind of cyclical. You know, people never, I shouldn't say never completely quit, but most people don't ever completely go away from the sport. People are always coming and going and, you know, they get back into it after, after a time. So yeah. there's always been somebody there keeping me motivated.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, and you do have to latch on to those people and, and I we all have them in our lives, so mm-hmm. it's it's as long as you can identify that. And I'm speaking to anyone listening to this, if just grab on to that one person that definitely is going to motivate you and get you to keep moving and not just sit home.
1: Absolutely. Chris has kept me going the last seven or so years for sure. I mean, having him here, I may have taken a break (laughs) if it wasn't for him.
0: All right. Absolutely. I I could see how that's a huge motivator because you've got, you know, you've got two different views on BMX and, and they, they, they still merge, Mm -hmm. you know, and can encourage each other. You're cheering him on. He's cheering you on. Right. and that's that's gotta be great. So that's a that that answers the question pretty well. So this one's really interesting to me because him and I talk about this uh, quite a bit when we're talking stats, but Drexel Drew he wants to know what your MBL license number was, if you can remember. Of
1: course I can remember. And everyone can
0: remember. Anyone that's <laughs> like like you and I in, in him from back in the eighties knows how cool it was to have a number that was was lower.
1: Yeah, mine's five digits.
0: 64942. Five digits. Yeah. Uh, six, five, two, two. Okay, yeah. And I've got I've got five. But say it again, it's what?
1: 64942. Ah, oh, okay. What was yours?
0: Um 63267.
1: Ah, oh, you got me beat.
0: Uh, but we both started in 83. Yeah. So this was just a matter of when they were processed. Because don't forget, this was all yeah. by mail. So that <laughs> was close. Yeah, yeah, it was by yeah. mail. Yeah. Yeah, And then my cruiser was 79340. Mm-hmm. So uh, Drew, which I can't look up right now, I think he was in the fives. Ah. But uh, to put it in context, you've got guys like Doug Luden
1: mm-hmm. who
0: were in the twos or threes. Five digits, wow. but twos or threes. He was a long time and then uh, Lou Delfino I believe is in the twos.
1: Wow. Uh,
0: so there's there's some people that that have some some pretty pretty early on license numbers and
1: I wonder what Bill Prince is.
0: That's a good question. Yeah. We you know, maybe we'll get an answer to that when I when I post up the interview and announce it on Instagram. But yeah, I I bet he's got an old one. I bet he's got a really old one. Yeah. So that that's that's really really interesting and it's funny because we've all talked about this over the years because it really does i it does help identify where what era mm-hmm. this person is from and y- you know what point bmx was at when they when they first started yeah. so it's uh yeah if you're if you're below the numbers we're at in 83 mm-hmm. whether it be 82 or in the late seventies, even that's a far cry from right. what eighty three was. Right. So it's it's pretty MBL numbers. I wonder away. what Melanie
1: Klein's is. She, I think wow. she's probably got the oldest one of my group of girls that hangs out all the time.
0: That could be because she raced, she raced. back like even when it was like Jag World yeah. Championships, right? Yep,
1: she sure did.
0: Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's uh that'd be a good one. My well,
1: friend Dawn Robbins did too. I wonder what Dawn's is or oh. was. Her dad won the Jag World Championships in Cowboy boots. He That's did? how long ago that raised. yeah.
0: You kidding? No. We're we're definitely gonna have to hit up Dawn after this is Dawn. Yeah. done, or at least tag her in the post and uh, and get those get those questions answered because yeah. these, now my my interest is peaked for sure. Um, all right, Mark Zaluski, TNT. Who grills the best trackside veggie burgers?
1: <laughs> I guess that would have to be Mr. Mike Amaris. <laughs> <laughs> from oh, Long okay. Island, yeah, he kept me uh, fed all summer long, which was spectacular.
0: Really? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Mike's a, Mike's a great guy.
1: Yeah, he is a great guy, and he's always prepared.
0: He is, yep. and he steps in whenever whenever help is needed, which mm-hmm. is what I love about him. With the events that I've done, the fundraising events, he's there to help. He's just there to help. Yep. He's not. He's not pushing in he's mm-hmm. just saying hey i'm right here for you and yep. it's so comforting to have someone like that right there so it's it's great to hear he cooks good veggie burgers yeah too. He does. he's a pretty good that. announcer too he's a good, yeah i think he's a good announcer he's mm-hmm. a very good announcer so good for him that he's found some different passions for sure all right so this one's from jack Baruth. no questions for Susie, but i always thought she was pretty almost as pretty as jimmy
1: <laughs> well <laughs> thank you jack uh <laughs>
0: I think I Jimmy don't know. takes a little
1: longer to get ready than I do. I don't know. That's my excuse.
0: Well, that hair. Yeah, know, that hair. That, that hair takes hair, some time. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he, he looks like he's a he's a band member for sure. Yeah, so. yeah. He really should be from Jersey with yeah. the look like that. Well, he
1: does sing, so you know he is a band member and he plays guitar. Oh, so, there. yeah. There we go. Rock star.
0: Yeah. Uh, on to Brian. uh, Bono, or or I should say Bono, because I believe it's pronounced that way. Anyway, Brian's an awesome guy. Yeah, Uh, he is. So any, (laughs) this is going to get good. Any (laughs) fond memories of BMX parties at my mom and my stepdad's house during the Pacer BMX days?
1: (laughs) Most definitely. We had such a great time at Brian's house. I don't know how his parents put up with us. (laughs) <laughs> I I remember Mike Lawsman reorganizing the letters. His mom had these big letters up on the wall, and I'm not going to say what he spelled out, but I think it started something with country and, and Mike, country something or other, and Mike changed everything around. But
0: It may have rhymed with schmuntty by the time you were done.
1: Schmunt, you mean? Schmuntty,
0: yeah, or schmunt. <laughs> yeah, it may have rhymed with sch- schmunt or
1: something yeah. like that <laughs> I, front yeah i believe uh yeah we had we definitely had some good times there was was it pole camp that slept under the pool table one night there was always some kind of shenanigans going on but we had a lot of good times at brian's house thanks so much brian for putting up with all of us
0: <laughs> and his and his mom oh Al, yeah and
1: his mom oh i don't know how she did it
0: yeah oh yeah well hey there's some there's some saints out there for there sure. really are yeah uh, all right, so from Becky Seymour, what is it like having Jimmy as a brother?
1: What is it like having Jimmy as a brother? Uh, well, it's good. You know, he he's always motivated me as well. You know, he'll he'll put in his two cents and be like, you should take this, jump this way and do this and do that. And he always tries to help out and coach me along also. Um, of course, he looks at it from a different perspective. He's not used to the new school of racing anyway. Um but, yeah, it, it's great having Jimmy as a brother, and, and he's an inspiration. I wish I had a tenth of his fearlessness. I couldn't handle it full force, <laughs> definitely not, because <laughs> nothing scares him whatsoever. All 100%
0: would yeah, be yeah. put him in trouble.
1: <laughs> yep, yep, but I've always looked up to him when it comes to, he is not afraid of anything. Nothing scares him, so.
0: Which is amazing.
1: Yeah, I wish a little more of that would rub off on me, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow. So, okay, here's another question from Becky. Do you just race or do you ride off the track as well? So basically, do you ride any trails still?
1: I don't, I used to ride trails a lot. I don't ride trails as much anymore, but I still do occasionally. I went to the Caddy Jam and did a couple laps. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm ashamed to say I'm not quite as good on flats as I used to be. It always takes me a little bit of time. Um, I used to ride skate parks a lot more than I do now. Uh, I think the last time I probably rode a skate park was about eight years ago. Melanie Klein and I met up, and Mike McLaughlin, and uh, Timmy Sullivan and I, we went out to, uh, uh, why am I drawing a blank, place in Cleveland. Raise. We went to Rays, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and rode there and had a great time. Yeah. Um, I So I can ride ramps a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love hitting foam pits, that's always fun. But I haven't done it in a while. I just haven't really had time, honestly. Right. Uh, I used to go to Genicor's house and ride his backyard all the time. Uh, I haven't been back since I broke both my elbows at the same time.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's another story. <laughs> but thread. I would
1: love to go back, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was just talking to him at the caddy jam about coming out. So.
0: Really? When did you break both elbows? And where?
1: <sighs> he had, I want to say it was the first jump was a step up. Yeah. It had to be 2000, 2008, 2008, mm-hmm. and I'd already jumped it a few times, and then one time I just didn't, I was like, oh, last second, I was like, maybe I shouldn't jump this, and when I did, my front end dropped, and I just went over the bars and put my hands out, broke both my elbows, and then about five minutes later, T.J. Taylor crashed in, like, the last straight and broke his arm. So we're both a couple of gimps, and I had to drive home with two broken elbows. Oh, my God. I'll I'll never forget, we stopped at a biker bar in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, on the way back. Because I was like, I just need a beer. And I'm sitting there (laughs) trying to drink my beer with two hands, and poor TJ's all gimpy, and these people are looking at us like we're crazy. Like, what's wrong with these two people? So
0: you're waiting to get home to go to the hospital, even though you knew that you both had broken bones
1: yeah I'm well I didn't know that I had broken bones I I drove home that way I knew I was hurting but I was like you know what let me see how I feel when I get up in the morning and so I waited a day and I lived in New Brunswick at the time so I waited a day I got up and I walked to the hospital yeah and uh yeah I I've always been the type if I get hurt I don't want to go to the doctor unless I absolutely have to like I've broken my collarbone three times and by the third time, I was like, "Mom, just I got a collarbone brace in the closet. Just put it, on, pull it on, and yank. You know, I'll be fine. It's just a broken collarbone. It's nothing new."
0: So you may have 10% of the uh, of the confidence of Jimmy and in, in the uh, fearlessness, but you definitely have a high threshold for pain.
1: Yeah, yeah, that I do. That I do.
0: Boy, that, and that's I
1: break bones and don't make a peep. I'm like, all right, all right here we go, hospital again.
0: Nothing like a man. I'm
1: Stubborn. <laughs> I'm also very stubborn. Very stubborn.
0: Uh, okay, I have to remember that. <laughs> so, one more question from Becky, mm-hmm. uh, and she sounds like a someone that's newer to, or let's say maybe getting back into BMX. But tips for a thirty to one to thirty-five year old cruiser mom going beyond the state level. So she currently races locally, it sounds like, and she wants to advance from local slash gold cup to national.
1: I would say spend as much time on your bike riding the track as you can. Um, put in put in full laps. Full laps really help. It's hard to do. You don't realize how it, it's easy to do when you're racing, but if you're just going to the track to practice, it's really hard to force yourself to do full laps. But try to do at least three full laps every time that you go to the track. Um, and if you have time and you can, incorporate some plyometrics. Plyometrics really help. Mm-hmm because you need so, that strength you know you need that strength to get out of the gate and get going
0: and you're talking floor exercises you're talking uh, mm-hmm. we're not talking weight room we're talking use your no. body yeah as... use your
1: body jump jump up on a box mm-hmm. you know things like that right mm-hmm.
0: got it it's good advice yeah so what is in your BMX future and is your fire still burning strong and that one's from that one's from me so that's worded a little funny yeah. but it don't that's have to work
1: okay um well, I ride for TNT now, and I'm super happy to be on the team. You know, I'm, a lot of the a lot of my teammates are old friends that I've known for years and years. Uh, so that kind of keeps me going. Um, Chris, of course, helps keeps me go keep me going as well. So I did, you know, I did get a little burned out earlier this year, and I, I just knew with work that I couldn't really focus so much on BMX. So. I, I had a little trouble getting going because I couldn't do anything. I was probably in the worst shape of my life at the end of May that I've ever been. So I think just the the motivation from my teammates, uh, motivation from Chris, I, it just keeps me going. And next year, my goal is to win national number one. That's awesome. So NAG one next year. Awesome. Saying it out loud, so I that's have to right. really focus and, and get it done. Stamp it,
0: stamp, it. stamp going for, it, going for number one.
1: And Chrissy's going to win the age group below me. We're not racing each other next year, so
0: oh, okay. I got my
1: training buddy, and, and we're going to kind of keep going and try to get Michelle Dean back out there.
0: Oh, good. All right. So you were already cheering each other on. Now you can do it from separate, uh, separate, separate age classes. Yeah. yeah, that's even better. So that that's awesome. That's really awesome. So. I guess uh, we're to the point of any last thoughts, first of all.
1: hmm last thoughts, uh, just BMX is a great sport. I mean, I've been able to go all over the country, all over the world. I know people in so many different places, you know, I've made so many good friends. You know, it's definitely changed my life and been a great influence. Uh, you know, we have, we have a group of girls. We, we joke our Supergirls group, which was Tammy. Tammy Gesswin, as you say, right. and Cindy Gesswin, and Melanie Klein, and Stephanie Search, and uh, Allison's Allison. yeah. Well, formerly Sigler. Sure. Mackenzie now, you yeah. know. We still get together, like, every, every couple of years. We all get together. Don Williams, you know. We yeah. all get together and hang out. We make it a point every couple of years mm-hmm. to do something. So, trying to get them all back out to raise Trumbull next year. Oh, nice. Hopefully we'll have a nice big 20-inch class, and I'll, I'll give 20-inch a shot yeah. just for fun. So. Oh,
0: that would be awesome. Yeah,
1: they're friends for a lifetime, you know? Yeah. Definitely, that's, yeah.
0: That's great. How yeah. about how about shout-outs? You've had a few sponsors, and uh, I'll, I'll list them in the show notes, but um, any shout-outs in particular?
1: Absolutely. TNT, you know, Mark Zalewski from TNT. Uh, we have Vans, ODI. Bad ace, number plates. Um, I gotta give a shout out to London Wilmot. He helped me out for you know 10 years. Really you know was a great guy to ride for. Um, I want to thank of course my mom and my brother and my sister for always being there for me and backing me. Uh, Last but not least Chris Diaz of course. Uh, He's spectacular and such a great coach and a great partner in life.
0: Part of what we've been talking about today has been your brother jimmy Levine. we talked about what it was like to live with jimmy Levine, and now there's a project in the works maybe you can shed a little light on that in addition to the plugs that you just mentioned
1: yeah chris rye from props is uh making a documentary about jimmy Uh, it's called go fast pull up very appropriately named (laughs) that's kind of his whole philosophy on life not just riding his bike uh but that will shed a lot of light onto life with Jimmy Levan.
0: And I've seen some pictures. So, and Chris does such an awesome job editing that. Um,
1: oh yeah, he's spectacular. Yeah,
0: everyone is going to get a glimpse inside the Levan family <laughs> life that uh, that I think is going to just be extremely entertaining. And uh, I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be going to be awesome. Yeah, so,
1: it'll. It'll. I'm sure it's going to turn out great.
0: Yeah so anyway thank you again for doing this i appreciate it happy and, to
1: thanks for having me
0: yeah, and thanks for letting me uh you know sleep in jimmy's bed you know <laughs> of course how many people can say that that's really creepy it it sounds yeah, really creepy say that yeah out loud. <laughs> maybe we'll cut that out maybe we won't we'll just let people wonder but um anyway thanks again Susie. oh
1: uh, thank you joe
0: Well, this has been good. And the best part is, is this was so much fun. I'm not going to edit anything. I'm just going (laughs) to let this one fly. We don't have to protect the innocent anywhere along the way. And, uh, and and you were extremely entertaining. You've got stories that we're going to have to dig into further with someone that really wants to throw people under the bus. Yeah, but, I won't throw
1: anybody under the bus. Oh, I'll
0: find someone that will. <laughs> yeah, I'm but, sure. But you can. plant you planted the seed. So, so we, <laughs> offline, we, we, <laughs> I can
1: tell you where to go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. But uh, thank you so much for doing it, and let's head over to Hal yeah. for the Ironman race. Go and to the Ironman. This interview will be posted up. Within the next couple weeks.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Joe.
0: Thank you for doing it. Of course. Okay. Look at that. An hour and 20 minutes just flies by. I don't
1: know that anybody wants to listen to me talk for an hour and 20 minutes. You'd be amazed (laughs) at...